Greetings, members old and new, and welcome back to the Possibility Department, where we use logical witchcraft as a psychological template. My name is Luciana, I'm your modern-day occultist, and here at the department, we embrace the mystery and entertain the possibilities of the great unknown. If you wish to join me and many others as we speculate on the possibilities of life's secret keys, head over to patreon.com slash thepossibilitydept and become an Occultist Lab member. By doing so, you'll get the two extra podcasts I post per month, workshops, videos, printables, group texts, group calls, and even one-on-one sessions. Head over to the link in the description, and I'll see you there. Alright, let's talk about some weird sh- Hey everyone, and welcome back to the new and improved Possibility Department podcast. As you know, going forward, there are only going to be public episodes every other week, so only two public podcast episodes per month. If you want the other two private episodes, those are going to be on my Patreon in the Observer tier. That is the $5 a month tier. Um, By doing that, you support you know, crowdfunding the podcast, more interviews, more research, more resources, better quality. So you support that. And you also just support me as a creator. Um, Also in that tier for $5 a month, you will find the video to this interview. Um, So if you want to watch the video instead, head over to patreon.com slash the possibility D-E-P-T and become a member for $5 a month. You can cancel Anytime. This is our first interview on the Possibility Department podcast, and I'm so excited to bring it to you. Um, it's a little ironic, and you'll figure out why. Um, or I guess I'll just say it. It's She's, she's an astrologer, and uh, if you listen, you know I've been so wishy-washy with astrology, but I'm officially converted. I love it. I'm in love with it. This is an amazing interview with the lovely and beautiful Christina Farella, who is the owner and founder of 8th House Astro. Um, and also the host of the Neptune Rising podcast, which is a podcast that completely brought me back to astrology. I love it. I love the way it's presented. Um, It's beautiful in every way. I love the podcast, and um, she's a writer and a witch and just all in all such an interesting person. She gave me like a history lesson on astrology, so much that I didn't expect. You are going to love this interview and I'm so excited to continue interviewing people here. And if you wish to support my endeavors, please consider heading over to Patreon and supporting on the Observer tier. And without further ado, here is the wonderful Christina Varela. All right. Welcome to the Possibility Department podcast, Christina Varela. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. So one of my lead-in questions was actually going to be when I saw that your last name was Farella, I was going to ask you if you were of like Portuguese descent because I lived in Brazil for a long time and I feel like I've met a lot of people with that last name, but I found out in your last podcast that it's actually Italian. Yeah. Well, I think there are a lot of Italians that went to Brazil, right? There are a lot of Italian people there. So Southern Brazil for um, sure. That's so interesting. Yeah, my family on my dad's side is Italian. We're Southern Italian, so we're from Stigliano, which is like the Arch of the Boot, and Naples. Um, So, you know, shepherds and sailors and people like that. But it's weird because I don't know any other Farellas, and even like I spent time in Rome like 
long time ago and mm-hmm. everybody was just like it's just a southern name it doesn't mean anything I'm like okay <laughs> so it's interesting that they maybe all went to to brazil very fascinating it might be yeah that was going to be one of my questions but um i'm excited to learn a little bit about how that's like influenced your your practice but i don't want to get like too ahead of myself it's it's really interesting that you're my first guest that you ended up being my first guest here because i'm such Anyone who listens to the podcast and all of my patrons know that I'm kind of like a flip-flopper when it comes to astrology. Like there are moments where I'm super into it and then I'm like, oh no, you know, this isn't my thing. And I find myself continuously coming back to it because I keep finding that when I'm going through certain things, you know, I'll, I'll hear an astrologer talk about like a cosmic event or something like that. And it just lines up perfectly with exactly what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I've, done it in my mind so many times like is it a placebo is it something that was already in the back of my mind but it's it's really not it keeps like lining up over and over so I keep coming back and I feel like my most recent comeback was with your podcast because I love the different way in which you frame it it's like artistic and poetic and interpretive and and ritualistic and it just gave me like a whole new perception of it so with that, I would love for you to kind of just introduce yourself a little bit, and I would love to know your sun, moon, and rising. Cool. Well, that's just so generous of you. Thank you so much for all of that. Um, yeah. Yeah, amazing. So I am a solar Virgo. Um, my birthday is coming up at the end of September. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, solar Virgo, Capricorn rising, moon in Gemini. So you know, those are like the first three placements that a person, um, you know, kind of reveals about themselves in meeting them. Um, And I think that, you know, the phrase big three is something that got invented by internet astrology. Yeah, it totally is. That's okay. I mean, I think that we're in such an interesting moment where so many people are drawn to the modality of astrology. And ultimately, it's a really beautiful tool for self-reflection and then connecting with other people, connecting to nature. It does so many things. So if you want to call sun, moon, rising, big three, it's cool. You know, it's fine. Um, The reason why it is significant is that, um, you know, the first three placements describe or give like a really lovely shorthand or psychological uh, kind of portrait of a person because the ascendant sign describes your persona or your kind of energy that you're leading with, the kind of mm-hmm. like initial, you know, impact that you make in new situations. Um, the sun reflects ego and essence and selfhood. And then the moon is all about emotional needs, emotional disposition. So right off the bat, like if you're dealing with that and you're just trying to know somebody and know how they work or know how they communicate, that's a lovely kind of first step into understanding what's going on in their heart or in your own heart as well. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for you personally, then, is there any one of the big three that you identify with the most? Or is it like, also, are you really, are the stereotypes real? So if, if you're like a Virgo, a solar Virgo, and what was it Capricorn rising? Yep. Are you like super organized? or yeah. No? Yeah. I, my Gemini moon is very strong. <laughs> oh, okay. Like overtakes very, it. <laughs> yes. So it's, it's interesting. Um, Really, truly, you know, the stereotypes exist for a reason because these are energies that are real. These are archetypal energies and we all contain all 12 of the signs. I'm sure you and your listeners have heard other astrologers say this. And, you know, this just means that, you know, in our natal portrait, 
we all have a house that has a sign on the cusp, one of the 12 signs on one of the 12 cusps. So, mm-hmm. you know, the signs are all relevant to us in our astrological makeup that certain planets hang out in certain signs, there's more energy there. So, you know, like my Virgo-ness comes out, I think, in this very um, earthy way. Like I love color, texture. I love to nurture people. I love plant medicine. I really, you know, I'm really uh, sensory oriented and um, do need a really good routine in order to feel normal um, and okay. But my son sits in the eighth house. um, So it's a bit obscured um, from view and it is not easily kind of expressing that solar. Yeah. So, you know, the chart is so dynamic for so many reasons. And this is why we're not just our planetary placements, there are houses, there are aspects, um, which all kind of get taken into consideration. But right. um, yeah, yeah. So it's endlessly detailed and that can be overwhelming for people. Yes, um, certainly for a beginner, you look at like, you know, just a birth chart and you're like, this looks like math. So, <laughs> and it is. <laughs> totally. I mean, it is. And I think that one of the most interesting things about that mathematical kind of flavor, and I like did talk about this a little bit on my last podcast was that, um, you know, old mathematicians, ancient mathematicians believed that, you know, geometry was not just about um, space, but it was about a kind of magical vibration or vision or witnessing something, right? So these early mathematical concepts were about like the transmission of energy, not just like figuring out an equation on a piece of um papyrus or whatever they were using right so it's like it it enlivens it a little bit but yeah for a beginner you see the wheel you see the mess of aspects in the middle and you're like goodbye no thank you I will just read about my sign on right yeah well that kind of brings me to my next question so for people who are just starting out and like when you're listening to or watching you know YouTube videos where they're going through the horoscopes for each sign and there's timestamps of like which sign where should we be listening to our rising? Should we be listening to, you know, our sun sign? Because I feel like I've heard different debate between the two. Never the moon. I never hear to listen to the moon one. But what's your take on that? That's a great question. So yeah, I think that I like to read for sun and rising if I'm going to read a horoscope. Um, the rising sign horoscope is accurate because it describes the way the planets are impacting your chart and the houses in real time. Um, So, you know, if you're a Capricorn rising, you read about, um, you know, Virgo season, you know that the sun is going to be activating a certain part of your chart. So certain themes are going to be relevant for Capricorn rising folks that year or that month. Um, It's more accurate to the chart itself. However, um, sun sign horoscopes or reading for your sun sign are totally legitimate and can even be quite magical themselves because they describe a kind of um, sympathy or a kind of um, symbolic meaning for the sign in that particular month or week or day. So I also advise that people experiment and say like, okay, which one makes more sense? Which one really resonates more with me? And then take what's useful from those horoscopes from your rising or from your sun. You can totally read for the moon it'll be an emotional horoscope, right? If the moon is that portrait of emotional resonance, then reading for your lunar horoscope is completely, uh, is completely allowed. Um, Again, that kind of oversaturation though of info, it's like you have to make some choices about what you're taking in because it can all blend together at certain points. And you're like, all right, I guess I'm just gonna 
have all right. these experiences. Yeah. Yeah. And I think maybe that's what's led me like in and out of astrology so much, you know, because like I'll, I'll go into the wormhole and I'm like, oh, this totally resonates. And then it just feels like information overload. And I'm, it, it's so much info to where it stops resonating at some point. But also the info that you're not taking in is like, the info that you're taking in is not necessarily specific to your chart either. You know what I mean? So you're reading these horoscopes and it's like, well, that doesn't apply to me, but I'm, you know, you're not just your sun sign, you know? So I think it does take like a more practice hand and that's what's led me in and out so many times. But I mean, on that note, with the kind of take what's useful, take what's nourishing, how do you feel about like kind of generalized but fear-based horoscopes like the ones in the magazines where it's like don't go outside today you know <laughs> like as an astrologer like what's your what's your take on that is that a marketing tactic just to get people to read or yeah yeah so it's interesting um like back in the day i think that those horoscopes were not always written by practicing astrologers and even these days there are publications that have horoscopes that are not written by legitimate astrologically educated really people. yeah and that's like that's a problem that's um awful oh my god so it's just yeah. some rando like typing stuff yes yeah that's so insane. You'll, you'll see job postings for you know media companies i'm not gonna name anything but right it's like, yeah you need to have writing experience and it won't be like you need to be an astrologer um so you know but i do think to keep it you know away from the negative i think right. that um we're living in a really interesting moment where a lot of the bigger kind of astro um, columns in in magazines are being written by people who have had teachers who are in the discipline and um, you know who know their stuff. So I think that there's as much of that as you know there are people that you have to avoid. Um, so it's an interesting time. Astrology has become so ubiquitous, and there are so many people doing work um, as astrologers that people have infiltrated the mainstream, right? So like I think of like Eliza Kelly who writes the horoscopes for Cosmo or Annabelle Gatt who writes the horoscopes for Vice. She's like yeah. the astrologer. Like these are humans who know their shit. And yeah, you know, I love Annabelle. I, yeah. Yeah. I admire them for being in this like very visible place um, and really showing people that astrology is a serious discipline with lots of details. So I think that the worst, though, of the fear-based horoscopes has got to be, um, oh my God, what's that app called that everybody has? I can't even remember. Oh, um, I read it from my brain. Co-star. Uh, Co-star, yeah. <laughs> Co-star is written by AI, and so... Is yeah. it? Mm -hmm. Wow. It's, it's people, but it's then, like, translated by AIs, and they also don't give you the circle chart, so, you know, it's a kind of misleading entry point into your astrological signature it's just kind of a mess so yeah you know, it's it's okay like nothing not everything has to be intense and perfect and um educational but i do think that that's the worst one for like being snarky and kind of preying on people's anxiety and yeah um, you know, yeah i just i'm not about that so. i had that one for a second and um it gives you like these little one-liner updates that i was just not up for i'm like what is this and it's kind of snarky as yeah. well so yeah, yeah but I guess I think of things like that in the same way that I think about, you know, there's this whole talk in like the witchcraft community now about like all these baby witch books that are coming out and like, are they written by actual witches, but like what constitutes being a witch as well? And it, it's like, yeah, some of these books are like 
hold a rose quartz and, you know, just like super basic things and probably written by, you know, a person in marketing or AI even or one of these other alternatives. But at the same time, that might be someone's entryway into something way deeper, you know, so like, I guess it serves a purpose, but it, it is it is kind of annoying. That's so interesting you say that about CoStar because I downloaded it and I was like, that was one of my turnoff moments. <laughs> I was like, well, this isn't for me, but it's I guess it's not a good entry point, you know? High vibes. It's, it's not great. And I think that a lot of people do find their way into astrology or even witchcraft through these like random encounters with like information that they didn't have access to before they downloaded an app or like got a random book, you know, like at a used bookstore. And it can facilitate this growth, but not everybody wants to like take it that deeply or take it that far as well. So I know it makes me nervous too. And, you know, to be protective of one's craft is, you know, an indicator of how much we care about, um, you know, our occult work, which is so sacred and important. So I just usually try to believe like, you know, I feel like I'm old now. I'm like, I'm just like past my Saturn return. I'm like, you know, the people who it's meant to stick with, you know, they're going to stick with them. Exactly. And, and people who are just like using it for ill means, it's not going to work for them. That's really what I, what I believe. Um, I've had lots of, you know, acquaintances being like, can you teach me astrology or can you teach me how to do a spell? And it's like, no, (laughs) no, not, (laughs) not that simply like, (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, totally, totally. yeah. Yeah. So I mean with that, yeah, I, I try to sit somewhere in the middle because I catch myself. I'm like, I, I get angry at a lot of like the surface level stuff that's out there that's so markety. Like when Sephora came out with the witch kit, do you remember that? You know, I get mad at that, but then also I try not to be a gatekeeper as well, you know, and be like, well, you know, of course this should be available to everyone, but let's not do it in like a big business markety gross kind of way. So yeah, I mean, we just got on a whole tangent about like marketing, but (laughs) my next question was like, how did you, find astrology how did you get into astrology how do you translate it with your italian heritage like how tell us the story cool um so i was raised super roman catholic like played piano at church every week did all the like activities like we were my parents are um you know really traditional um my mom is irish and english and then my dad is italian and um they just have this like old school, you know, New York mentality, I would say very family oriented. And we were raised really super in the church and um, they're not that way anymore. I just want to say they have moved away from the Catholic church because of just like all the crazy shit that we've seen. Right. However, um, I was there and I'm the oldest of four kids. So I was like the like, you know, little mini adult Capricorn rising, you wind up becoming a grown up before you're grown up. Yeah. Um, and I was like, you know, always very whatever in the mix with all of these things that we had to do for the church. So I think that I always knew that Catholicism was not where it was at. I never really like was down with it, but it was just a kind of cultural thing that was in our house and in our routine. And in Roman Catholicism, there is a ton of veneration of statues there's a ton of candles there are right. a lot of parallels right yeah so i really do believe that like you know and, and this is true too about um witchcraft and paganism is that you know the catholic church just relabeled all of the gods of antiquity as you know the saints that saints. We 
Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So for me, it was like, it was, it was an interesting thing to observe. I was also really obsessed with Greco-Roman mythology. I'm like an avid reader, really liked reading all those old stories. And I believed that there were like, you know, dryads in the trees and like nymphs in the ocean. Like I was just always a kind of weird, not weird. I was a magically thinking. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so like couldn't really share that with many people, but the kind of flip from um, Catholicism to that mythological perspective, like it all made sense to me and it all came from this Mediterranean worldview. So I kind of always carried that with me and this connection to nature, I think that comes from being aware of myth. Um, and then like I was rebellious and because of that like Catholic influence, I was not allowed to touch tarot, astrology, whatever, but my mom would take us to borders when that store still existed. And you'd sneak. I would. And I would like look and be like, okay, like, what does it mean? I'm a Virgo. Okay. I don't know what that is. Like, you know, and I would see my horoscope in magazines and I was just like immediately super drawn to like, I think I was trying to figure myself out and figure out psychology, the psychology of other people. What do other people need? What are they motivated by? So I wasn't, you know, like always so lofty. I was a kid, but I was deeply curious and thought that it was a really interesting tool. So that kind of all percolated. And then when I got to college away from home, um, I just kind of fell deeply into the study of astrology and um, just started avidly reading books and practicing interpreting charts and looking at charts. Um, you know, so the way that I find this all tying in with that kind of Mediterranean experience is that later on, um, I did start to really engage with like um, Mediterranean pagan research. I was in school and really fascinated by um, ancient Greek uh, funerary rituals and like- Oh wow, that sounds cool. <laughs> specifically uh, interested in um, ancient Greek female uh, like mourning um, and lamentation. Um, I was just, yeah, fascinated by this stuff that was all very much about emotional experience in the ancient world, but specifically rooted in the feminine experience as well. Um, so this just all snowballed into me being like, okay, I think that there is something that I recognize in this. It was kind of like an intuitive link between the ancient world, you know, of of Italy, of Greece, and then, you know, what I kind of resonated with in my own practice and started folding that into my day-to-day. -day. So now, you know, I have a planetary altar. I tend to it um, mostly on a daily basis, um, which just means that each day is, you know, venerated for a particular planet. Um, there are affiliated deities that go along with it. And it's a really beautiful way of just saying like, hello, cosmos, I'm here with you. You know, right. it doesn't so lofty or so um so heavy or um even religious right it's 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 a way though of cultivating ritual for myself around the themes of astrology and this kind of ancient worldview um so it's a long answer to your question but no that was great there there's so many i think it's true there are so many parallels between really there's so many catholicism in a way you know there's a lot there that make us that makes us kind of go like yeah now but it in a way has kept some of the ancient world alive with like just the ritual of it and you know and, and the candles and the veneration and 
it's interesting because there are so many parallels to just like magic and paganism and and everything else and i saw some of that as well you know like being brazilian and being in brazil it's it's kind of the same thing where it's like catholicism is the religion you know it's and and there's there's the candles and the veneration and the ritual but tarot cards are evil but at the same time there's like this duality especially there where you know brazil has like all of this mythos and all of these like local myths of mythology and paganism and there's this weird thing where like they can accept that and like also their religion but if you like break out a tarot card it's it's really like taboo so i mean that all depends on the region and everything as well but it's it's interesting to look at the parallels and catholicism really has kept some of that alive the problem is is that it kind of like shut away the origins of where it came from and named the deity saints and christianized it so that's that's a really interesting answer which i mean brings me to so you practice Hellenistic astrology, right? Can you explain, is that from like relating to the Hellenistic period or how does that work? Yeah. So I, because I am a self-taught astrologer and like, I think this comes from the fact that I was studying alone um, or with other astrologically minded um, people. Like my partner is also an astrologer and we've studied together. You That's know, amazing. Wow. It's very wonderful. It's nice to have that like research support. Um, It's, yeah, it's wonderful. So um, I think that I was coming of age in an astrological way um, before this big boom of internet astrology. Like that's why I was working with books and I didn't know about like astrological elders or teachers in my area. I was just kind of like cloistered and doing it on my own. So what usually happens when people are self-taught Um, is that they start with modern astrology because that's the most common version of astrology. And that means that the outer planets, um, you know, uh, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto are part of the mix. And you're dealing more with psychological kind of astrology rather than traditional astrology, which is that Hellenistic, Hellenistic period derived study. So the kind of amazing thing about astrology in general is that it is so old. It's like more than 2000 years old, right? It's been a study of the movement of the planets um, for as long as we've been really able to observe them. And so, um, you know, there are kind of two branches in Western astrology, which is the kind of Mediterranean perspective that I have. Um, Traditional astrology only uses the traditional planets. So that's just the sun um, through Saturn. Um, and Jupiter. Yeah. So it's Sun, Moon, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter. And um, the outer planets were not visible with the naked eye back in the Hellenistic period. So there were no... Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they literally couldn't see it. So of course it wasn't part of their practice. Okay. It's it's interesting because there was a god called Neptune and there was a god called Pluto and there was a god called Uranus, but there was no planet that correlated with it. Those planets were discovered way later. So... Um, you know, traditional astrology is highly, I would say, um, it has a lot of like codes and it has a lot of, I don't want to say rules, but it has a lot of um, standards. Like planets are believed to function in a particular way. The chart is read in a particular way. It's like, um, you know, a very uniform kind of study that um, has been preserved over time. Amazingly, we're so lucky that we still have this tool. So anyway, I blend the two perspectives is what I'm trying to say. I okay. love 
work with the Hellenistic perspective, those practitioners will use Polsign primarily as their chart system as well, which makes all of the houses 30 degrees equally. Mm -hmm. And then people who practice modern astrology usually will use Placidus or um, the Campanus house system, they'll use a different house system, which allows for more variation. So those are details that don't really need to be um, like woven in right now. But yeah, so I blend, I blend the two uh, because as I've grown through my practice, I just keep getting called back to this Hellenistic uh, kind of uh, mindset or worldview regarding astrology. And so many interesting timing techniques come from the Hellenistic uh, practice and tradition and um, you know it's really what has made me think like wow astrology is real this stuff is working it's like this amazing clock or this amazing um, compass so yeah yeah oh that's amazing so I mean Hellenistic astrology then was it was there an element of ritual to it back in that time or was it just simply observation and prediction from astrologers or is there even record of that yeah, so there are so many people who are still to this day doing translation work. And so the field, it, wow. you know, it's really incredible. I mean, it's like, um, I feel like it's kind of close to the study of classics, but it's like about astrology and classics. Right. So, um, you know, to my understanding, Hellenistic astrology and Hellenistic astrologers were using astrology to make sense of the natural world. So they were using it to time um, like a fruitful harvest or a fruitful planting of crops or a successful like sea voyage or a marriage that, you know, was supposed to yield a lot of children to perpetuate the bloodline, blah, 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 like all right, that right. kind of stuff. Um, but natal chart interpretation was always important. And that's why, you know, um, royalty also always had astrologers because they wanted to be aware of how fortuitous their, um, their reign would be, so to speak. Um, you know, so yeah, that is what people were doing with it back then. And again, it's my understanding in the Renaissance, that's when ritual and astrological magic really became a kind of reinterpretation or reintegration of ancient astrology in that Renaissance era, um, bringing together, you know, the kind of fascination with like stones and herbs and astrological timing became a huge deal. So this is all kind of part of that progress that astrology makes through history. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's that's so fascinating. I feel like with at least on like the outskirts of of astrology content, you know, that we see kind of like modernly in the witchcraft world, it's I've I don't think I've ever come across anything that goes over the history of it really. So that's kind of like fascinating and a and a whole nother perspective that's not I don't know if it's not explored or maybe just not available. If you're saying that people are still doing translation work, that's insane. There must be so much then. Yeah, there is so much. And that's why it's exciting to me because it doesn't feel like, um, like a lifeless field or a lifeless pursuit. There's um, still stuff to dig. Yeah. Yeah. There's still stuff to discover. There still works to be translated because people are trying to figure out like how it was really used back then. We know so much, but we still have so many questions. So, you know, there is, I think that part of it can be like sometimes a little gatekeepy and then other times it's just that the subject matter is complex and people are like, ah, like, I don't know about astrology in general, like the history of it is kind of like a stretch, you know, it can be again, detailed and overwhelming. Um, but, you know, maybe that's something that like I can start to write about or, you know, support people through because the 
the history of it is so fascinating. And I think that a lot of people just consider astrology to be this like fad or a kind of new age trope or a new age tool yeah, um, or even just like part of meme culture. But this is literally, you know, so it, was one of our, it was one of our original sciences in, yeah. you know, in the Renaissance doctors had to know and practice astrology along with medicine. And so like, it was really only through the enlightenment and the kind of scientific revolution that um, astrology got sidelined as uh, imprecise or um, just fantasy. So it was, it was with us in, you know, at least the Western perspective, it was there, um, which I think is so, is so fascinating. Wow. I'm learning a lot. I'm sure my listeners are going to be learning a lot as well. (laughs) It's it's a lot, (laughs) but it's so awesome because it's, it's a whole new perspective. So do you use timing in your life then? Yeah, it's a great question. I do um, because I think that it's fun. Um, I don't get too crazy about it though. Half of that is that, part of it rather, is that I um, like to try to like manage my anxiety (laughs) around outcomes. And I think that um, astrology is so interesting for having a handle on what might happen in the future, but it's not necessarily always predictive or proscriptive. It's like a roadmap of possibility, right? So if you know that Mercury will be retrograde for a couple of weeks, we don't necessarily know that like all technology will fail and all- I was hoping you would touch on that. Okay, yes. (laughs) It's not, not you know, it's really not a kind of um, death sentence for anything, but it's a kind of indicator. It's like a little light goes on. It's like, okay, these things are now relevant. These things are now more possible. These things maybe are not as possible. So I like to use timing by seeing when planets are moving in and out of signs um, for making like, you know, choices about when to send stuff. Yeah, like I'll avoid the moon being void of course before sending an important document or something like that. Right. Um, But yeah, so the other thing though is that we have to live in real time. And I think any good astrologer will tell you that becoming too obsessed with your astrological timing or uh, being fearful even of not doing it the right way, mm-hmm. um, that's not living life to the fullest capacity, the fullest extent. So we don't want to do that. We want to be, you know, we have- In the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. guess that you could say a similar thing about things like um, tarot as well. You know, tarot is not necessarily predictive. It's kind of like, what are the energies at play currently it's not super literal death doesn't mean death you know tower doesn't mean that your house is going to burn down you know so yeah yeah, that's that's an an interesting take so would you say that you have like a favorite celestial body or or planet and why and is that a stupid question to ask an astrologer (laughs) no no, it's not a stupid question at all it's a great question um I think that kind of like how moms aren't supposed to like love their kids different or like more than, <laughs> not for, I'm not the mom of the planets, but like, you know, I, I love them all for their unique uh, gifts and their unique qualities. So when I need to facilitate harmony and self-compassion, I can lean on Venus and I'm like, all right, girl, like, let's do this. And, you know, I, I can call that in and say, this is comforting to me. Um, when I really want to feel grounded in myself and feel like I can light up a new situation, you know, you can call in the sun and say, okay, you're my friend now and this is what we're going to do together. So, right. you know, yeah, it's like, they're all, we, 
it's it's like a little corny, but like, you know, we contain all the signs, we contain all the planets, they're archetypes of psyche. That's why they exist. That's why we have like this understanding of them exist, just like the tarot, right? The tarot is yeah. like that kind of archetypal vibration. Death is not death. It's about cycles of end and beginning and the kind of fertilization that ends bring to life so that we can begin again. That's like fundamental to the human experience. Right. Um, you know, so, so is Pluto, you know, planet of revolution, of authenticity, of truth, of shadow. So yeah, kind of how I feel about, about my planets. About your planets. No favorites <laughs> is the answer to that. Um, no. <laughs> well, I mean, so how do you believe that astrology works? You know, do you see the planets as forms of deity? Are they just psychological aspects? You know, how... And I get tripped up on this all, all the time too, not just with planets, but with deity in general and, you know, the energy we give it. I I kind of like seesaw back and forth between there's deity and they have power or it's it's like this psychological thing that we've created and we've given it power, you know, it's it's like a collective consciousness power that we've created with what we've associated with it, if that makes sense. And I flip flop between the two. So what's your take on that? Yeah, I think that we're living in a really interesting age where, you know, we do, even even if we are, you know, practicing witches or occultists of any kind, we do kind of have this desire to be quote unquote rational and kind of be like heads up about what we're projecting or what we're infusing meaning into that maybe is like not really there, you know, so I totally understand that flip-flopping nature of like, okay, how much do I really have to like put into this in order for it to be um, something that is not just kind of uh, giving me, what's that called? Oh, bias confirmation. Confirmation yeah, bias? Yeah, confirmation bias. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, so I think that that's always the question. Um, but in my mind, you know, astrology and how it works, it's like, it's such a cool, it's, a, it's an interesting thing to think through. So like, for me, astrology is proof that we are or it's representative of the fact that we're inextricably linked to the cosmos, to nature, to the gravitational pull of celestial bodies. Um, I personally believe that deity is in everything. It's in this microphone, it's in the computer, you know, it's in the trees outside my window. Like I really, that's part of my practice and, and I see everything imbued with spirit. Um, not everything imbued with spirit, that's about me to like, it's just there. It's not, yeah. it's just energetic. And right. really, yeah, I like to kind of have that, um, that orientation. So, you know, the planets have power, not because they're beyond us and like acting upon us, but because like they are us and we are them. It's that oh, as it's beautiful kind of thing. I really, yeah. you know, I, think about this. I was like, damn. So, you know, it's a, it's a provocative question. It's like, all right, what's going on here? But the planets have spirit, kind of like I was talking about before, you know, they are these archetypal energies, um, and so are we. So, you know, I think that it's really important for us to remember that astrologers in the ancient world believed that by observing the movements of planets, we could find correlation to life on Earth, right? So that's like the most basic kind of way of thinking, like, how does this work? It's about finding a reflection of you know, our experience and something that's beyond because it goes both ways. So this is just a way of living in conversation with, um, 
with your environment rather than living in a state of ignorance of it, which is, I think, kind of like the, the norm these days to be yeah. living in this like world that's devoid of, uh, of magic. Um, the hamster wheel. Yeah. <laughs> you have to break the hamster wheel. Like that's what magic is here to do. It's to, you know, to like use a word that um, Richard Tarnas, who is a cultural historian, he wrote this really amazing book called Cosmos and Psyche. Um, but he writes all about re-enchanting the world or the disenchantment of the world that, you know. Oh, I love that. In. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful kind of way of thinking about it. So my astrological practice, my occult practices, I believe are, you know, an effort to find enchantment again. And, you know, that can be something as small as like connecting with your inner child through thinking about your moon in your chart. Um, or it can be about playing with nature um, and being in relationship to it through using stones and herbs as a part of your witchy practice. So lots of different avenues, I think, emanate from astrology. Wow. I, I love that approach, the as above, so below. And I feel like for the most part, that's what I subscribe to anyways. The whole thing on my podcast is uh, I, 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 I love all aspects of spirituality and I will take in all of it and work with all of it. But I don't necessarily need to believe that, you know, Artemis as a goddess is floating around somewhere. You know, it's, it's like the psychological aspect of that. And mm -hmm. I can even entertain the possibility that there may be an Artemis floating around somewhere, but it's, it's about the, the as above, so below. So I really love that kind of translated into astrology, which just makes me love all of this. I think, I think you've converted me. I'm, <laughs> cool. I'm down for all of it now. It's, it's so interesting and you provide such a like new and fresh perspective. I think maybe most of the content I was taking in was like very surface and I was getting like really frustrated with the surface stuff. And then every once in a while, there'd be a pearl of wisdom that would inspire me and I would go down a rabbit hole and then just find more surface stuff again. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it really is like the information that you're taking in and the way you like hearing it and your approach is like very artistic and poetic. So, I mean, what would you recommend? Where should someone start if they're starting out with astrology? And I know you just launched your Patreon and you already have a ton of members there. So tell us about that. So I think that the first thing that a person can do, and I can actually, like, I think, I think books are great. I think books are amazing. Um, I am, again, like a really big fan of self-study, um, if that works for you. Not everybody has that learning style. So I can recommend a handful of like, you know, intro books for astrology. But what you want to do is really just get a solid grounding of basic concepts. And so that's why I feel like if I was starting again today, I probably would have started with the Hellenistic or traditional perspective because... Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Just like, it's, it's just very foundational. And then you can kind of build, but there's no right or wrong way to do it as long as you're absorbing info. So starting out, take it slow. That's the other thing. I think that people, again, get like really overwhelmed. I spent years of my life just trying to understand the planets and what it means to like have a Uranus. Like what does that entail? Right. Um, you know, and so um, really feeling okay, moving slowly. We live in an age of instant gratification and, uh, you know, astrology is like a Saturn task. It takes time. Time. Yeah. <laughs> it's the study of time and movement. Yeah. <laughs> it literally <laughs> It's literally supposed to be a slow, a slow effort. So be patient. Um, and then, yeah, on my Patreon, which I'm so like 
excited, nervous about? I don't know. Um, you know, I've been reading publicly for people for about five or six years at this point, and um, I always just have wanted to build a little bit of community around that experience. So the Patreon is intended to be this educational space as well as a community building space. So there are four levels of engagement. They're all named after the like uh, different muses in antiquity because I am um, an ancient world nerd. So the first level is called Polyhymnia, named after the muse of hymns. Um, and that's like a $5 tier. It's kind of like basic support, but you get access to daily astrological updates that I don't share on social media, writing prompts, um, extra essays, and little courses that I'm going to be releasing, like um, you know, deep dives on um, the building blocks of astrology, basically. So it's a way to start learning um, and start kind of gaining some tools and, and understanding of basic things. Um, the next level is named Euterpe, um, and she is the um, goddess of epic or the muse of epic poetry. Um, and you get access to twice monthly moon circles, um, which is where the kind of community building thing comes in. People right. are on a Zoom call, everyone's favorite modality. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we talk about the energy of the lunation. We talk about how it's impacting our charts. And, you know, we talk about magic. We, you know, we can really, we do lots of things in that group. And that's really fun and cool to see growing. Um, and the last two tiers offer one-on-one -on -one engagement. So there is the Calliope tier, which is $85 a month. Um, it's everything in the lower two tiers, but we connect every other month for an in-depth astro consultation. And the last one is Urania, the muse of astronomy. Um, and that's monthly astrological counseling, which can be like tutoring or education one-on-one. -on -one. Right. You know, it doesn't just have to be like, help them in crisis. It's like, we will talk about anything that is relevant to you um, in your astrological path. And then of course, access to all that other stuff. So yeah, that's what's going on over there. Very very much info. Thank you for <laughs> letting no, me. No, I mean, it's it's amazing that like you you already launched out the gate with like so much available. I feel like when I first did it, I was like one tier. I don't, <laughs> you know, like. I don't really, honestly, like I'm the queen of not knowing what I'm doing and just kind of <laughs> invent it. That is again, like that Gemini moon. I'm like, yeah, I think it's time to do Patreon now. And you, you know, just did it. <laughs> do things that way and you know even if I plan I just have this like impulsivity um that makes me makes me this way I have Uranus on my ascendant so a lot of like just do it kind just of just do it mm -hmm. I mean yeah. sometimes that's the best way to do it though because otherwise you won't you know I mean mm -hmm. I had a coach like two years ago who told me the thing that I needed to do the most you know to get where I want to go with the possibility department and all that stuff was to start a podcast and I was like, oh, you know, I can't, I can't do that. That's not for me. That doesn't make sense. But I knew that that's what I needed to do. And it took me like a year to do it. And things didn't start growing until I started the podcast, you know, and that's everyone's entry point now. That's where everyone pretty much finds me. And if not where they find me, that's where they get to know me and then end up, you know, going in and becoming a patron and diving into the content. So I, I wish I had like that just do it <laughs> kind of because I try to plan things out. Um, way too much. But I mean, all of that information sounds amazing and beautiful. I know one of my patrons mentioned over in Discord that she already signed up. Oh, yeah. Tell us about your astrological ritual class that you're doing because she signed oh, yeah. up for that and let us know about it. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So in a way, like 
you know, in the same way that I want to start sharing with people stuff on Patreon, like I will be doing um, a lot of these intensive classes going forward, like back to school, September stuff. Um, but I believe that in a lot of my consultations with people, with clients, um, I always wind up giving recommendations for altar work. And it's just because I think it's really helpful to have a physical manifestation of an astrological event or transit or yearly activation. Um, it makes it real. Like yeah. if Saturn, yeah, if Saturn is really important for you at any year of your life, you can walk around being like, oh my God, Saturn is so heavy on me. But if you, for example, build an altar to him, even if it's just like a stone and a candle that you light on Saturdays, like simple stuff. Right. Um, it makes it real and it makes it part of your life. So the astrological ritual class will be covering all of those things. So kind of like 101 um, planetary ritual, planetary magic, um, going over how to pick uh, how to make an altar based on your own natal chart and what you're going through. Oh, wow color magic. We'll talk about um, planetary, like herbal and crystal resonances, just kind of like, you know, really, I would say, I'm calling it like an intro, but I do think it's going to be pretty detailed. So um, I'm super excited and I want people to feel empowered to incorporate this in their own, in their own life. So you don't have to be really good at astrology to join. It's not, I'm not going to shoot over anybody's head with this information, but um yeah, it's definitely for people who are looking to learn about incorporating magic into their own astrological practice. Oh, amazing. This is what I love about this approach that you have is just like the art and the poetry of it and kind of like, I don't know, enchanting your physical world to kind of like go along with it. So that's amazing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to link everything in the show notes so you guys can go check out Christina Ferella and all of her amazing endeavors. And thank you so much for being on the show, Christina. This has been it's my first interview. And wow, I'm, I'm super interested in astrology now. So, <laughs> so thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And, you know, may all of the dreams that you have for this podcast and interview series and the possibility department be so. May it all oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. That was our first interview, and we really just, we started out with a bang. Um, so go follow Christina on Instagram, subscribe to her wonderful podcast, and maybe even become a patron. Those of you who are patrons of mine and are loving Discord and all that stuff, she's got that over there too. Go check it out. And her links, as well as my links, will be in the description. Stay mysterious.